0: I think it's a great opportunity, too, for everybody to feel heard. Being a trained facilitator, it's your job to make sure that everyone has a voice, especially the individual, regardless of their abilities to communicate what it looks like, how often, there is the opportunity to be heard. And there is not another place in the education world that I've seen the opportunity for the individual to advocate for themselves, like in a person-centered plan.
1: This is Josh
2: and this is Nicole and you're listening to the Oregon Transition Podcast. Brought to you by the
1: TCAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network and professionals across the state.
2: We've got you covered from Portland to Ontario, from Hood River to Klamath Falls, from Seaside to Burns and everywhere in between.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Oregon Transition Podcast.
2: We are happy to have you here, and we're excited to talk to you today about a tool that we have in our belt called Person-Centered Plans. Nicole, what does that mean? Well, Person-Centered Plans, or as you might hear them referred to today, PCPs, Person-Centered Plans are all about the student. They bring in people from their family, from their community, from school, from different services, all to focus on the goals that the student has and to help them plan for their future. And that is what we're going to talk about today, person-centered plans and what they're all about.
1: So we're going to start today by taking a road trip to Burns, Oregon, where our own Lon Thornburg interviewed a student right before his person-centered plan began.
3: Okay. so. This is Thomas. We're down in Burns. Yep. So today we're here for your person-centered plan. Mm-hmm. And that's part of how we're mapping out your next... My next step in life. And what do you want it Based on what you, we've been doing, what are you seeing as some possible ideas? Um,
4: just an outdoors job, I guess, or something that I really love, but not trying to jump job to job and not like look bad on the resume because like, the employer's going to look at that and he's going to be like... Now this guy job jump um, this guy jumps job to job and you know it's just not gonna look that good, so I wanna find a job that I could pretty much like stick with and like fall in love with and you know.
3: Good. So you've got a lot of people here. Yeah. There's what? How many? What we've got.
4: Eight, there's eight.
3: eight, nine, nine. Nine people. Yeah. And two online. Yeah. Two on Zoom, Mm -hmm. and they've had a lot of contributions to your past and talking. You've known you since you were a little kid.
4: Yeah, pretty much everyone here. I don't know. They have like a little bit of everything of me, I guess. Like a little bit of charm of everything of a part of me. So yeah.
3: Well, you're special.
4: Yeah. And. We want you to feel
3: that way today. Yeah, and excited for what's going to happen next. Yeah, after more
4: work experience. Where? What are you doing now? You've got an Oh, um, I'm actually job shadowing construction. i watching how construction is, and like that. I feel like that would be pretty fun. You know, building something. and What my boss said is I would be good at painting, or you know, I'm really, I guess, time consuming. So yeah. Feels like I'd be a good painter. I was just talking to someone. She said she paid, you know, couple, couple hundred for someone to paint their house, and I was like, "Why?" Wow, you know. Josh,
2: my favorite part about hearing that student's experience is where he said that each person has a piece of him. That means that each person at that meeting was bringing a piece of him there to make the process complete, and that's exactly what a person-centered plan should be.
1: I agree and what I took away was listening to his excitement about the person-centered plan process that he was about to do and his anticipation for the future. It seems like he's on his way for success.
2: Absolutely. And and that's really the goal of a person-centered plan is to is to help a student create that vision and help them find ways to follow through with that because knowing what you want to do in the future is a hard thing for anybody but especially for a student that doesn't really know. Right? And so when you can bring people together and have them be this larger mirror that is reflecting your strengths and your possibilities, it's really an empowering moment that builds confidence.
1: So today, we're taking a different approach to the Oregon Transition Podcast. We sat down
2: with a panel
1: to discuss the person-centered plan process for students.
2: That's right. And while a person-centered plan usually incorporates a large number of people, we sat down with a few CORE members to talk about the process in depth and how it affects them.
1: So we sat down with a Pre-Employment Transition Service Coordinator.
5: Hi, my name is Tony DePeel.
2: A Transition Network Facilitator.
5: Hi, I'm Chris Rita.
2: A Transition Teacher.
5: Hi, my name is Jocelyn Bigelow.
2: A Developmental Disability Service Coordinator.
6: Hi there, my name is Jenny Weber.
2: And and.
6: I'm a parent of two special needs children. Today
2: we're here to talk to this wonderful group of people about person-centered plans.
1: So the first question, I'd like to ask, what is a person-centered plan and what does it have to do with goals?
7: So a person-centered plan is well it's a way of thinking, you know, with the student the person at the center of everything. So the, the planning process really involves the student, their family, their team, and their goals, and where they want to head. I always think of it a little bit as like a North Star meeting, so you really break it down into little pieces, but at the end you have this pathway towards a positive future. It's a really fun way to have a meeting.
0: Yeah, I would say a PCP is like an IEP, but it's actually fun, and you're celebrating everything that's amazing about a student, and really bringing in their preferences, interests, needs, and strengths.
1: I love that you're talking about a fun meeting where you're celebrating students, because that sounds like a meeting that I would want to go to. We're mandated to have IEPs once a year for students. We're not mandated to have person-centered plans. When would we schedule a person-centered plan? They're already getting an IEP.
5: So, a great time to schedule a person centered plan is when somebody maybe is stuck or not sure what they want to do, or the team, you know, the parents and the teacher and the student have been, you know, what are going to be my next steps? I, I've got a couple more years of school, maybe. I want to make sure that I think about what my focus is going to be in classes, or if they're getting ready to transition out of school and they're ready to get a job and they still don't quite know what they wanna try.
7: it can be a time to bring together the whole team and maybe even future team members to share all these wonderful things about that student. So as they do transition to adulthood and community that those community partners can be there to hear all these positive things and it's a working document that can go with them.
5: A lot of the times we're focusing on school or you're focusing on the job that you're thinking you wanna do, but there's so much more about life besides just those two areas. The fact that you cover so many areas and you talk
6: about so many things that as a parent, you're kind of on one road, I'm getting them through this, but you get to see a whole wide variety of other options for your children.
1: I'm hearing that you're getting your team together and potentially future team members are getting on the same page. And this goes beyond school. The IEP is focused on school. This could be help inform other services that might be happening.
2: Jenny, you've been part of a lot of different PCPs. And so you've seen these different teams all come together. Do you have insight as to who would be a part of a team? What does a team look
0: like?
8: Part of my job is to really help parents understand the difference between having a child who's under the age of 18 with a disability versus having an adult child with a disability and they typically they're very centered on providing for all of their basic needs and their academic requirements and things like that so this is a great way for parents who maybe haven't thought much farther to to be able to see how the skills that they have been working on for all these years with their child and the schools have been working on can transfer into a, a paid employment for them and then it just opens up the world of community integration and getting out there and feeling like they are a valued member of society, you know, taking away some of the fear for parents that what is my kid going to do after he's done with school? I don't want him just sitting around at home. I don't want him sitting in a day program. I want him to be active. And this is a great transition for that. It also enables the child to start learning that they have a voice and they have a say and they get to have control over this part of their life. When we talk about setting any kind of meetings with adults with disabilities is we're going to ask them first, who do you want there? Because anybody can be there. Anybody who has an invested piece of this person's life and their success is a great person to invite.
0: You wanna consider where the student is or the individual is in their life. So are they still in school services? So inviting their school team. Do they live with their family? Who do they live with? So family, group home, foster home. Who are they friends with? What services do they want to receive or already receive? So DD or brokerage. Are they with supported employment? Are they with a recreation program or a day program? Do they have personal support workers? It's anybody and everybody who is important to that person.
2: So once you've identified this group of people that are really like the foundational supports for this student and can help guide them in their, in their voice in this process, and you've set up this meeting, what does that meeting look like? What actually happens when you're in the room with a student doing a person-centered plan? It's colorful.
8: <laughs> It's a lot of fun and positivity. And I I think that's another thing I love about these PCPs is, especially from my job, when I'm assessing somebody's needs, their support needs, I'm looking at what they can do, but also what they can't do. And the PCP just focuses on the gifts that this person has, we all have gifts, and our society tends to focus on the things that we can't do versus the things that we can. So it's just so empowering to the individual to be able to look at it and look around and say, wow, these things are all the things that People, they are amazing about me. And you just leave with this really big heart and full of this positivity.
0: Whether it's in person or virtual, a person-centered plan literally looks like everybody that's there, including the individual, oriented towards visuals representing the information that we're putting forth about the individual. So there are posters or there is a slideshow presentation actively being written on recording what everybody has to say about the individual including, of course, this individual's input.
1: So Jocelyn, you have had PCPs for students in your classroom?
0: Yeah, I'm a trained PCP facilitator and then of course I have students with multiple and complex needs.
1: Can you give a specific example of how a PCP has helped a student in your program?
0: (music) The very first person-centered plan I was ever a part of was my first year of teaching and I had a student that exhibited a lot of external behaviors and it didn't always feel that there was a lot of positive energy when there was discussions about that student. We had this idea about a person-centered plan and getting to sit in that room and have that student celebrated for everything that person was capable of doing, what worked for them, what wasn't ideal for them and what that North Star, like Chris said, is. It just changed our course of action. And when I say our, I talk about the school team. I felt like this student was capable of achieving more and this was an opportunity to align the home school and community teams as to what that student can do.
6: It's interesting when you're in one of those, you take a new picture of your child Mm -hmm. because you're in the day-to-day grind. And it's like Jocelyn said, it can get pretty negative sometimes because behaviors are doing whatever they are. In this room, when you're doing this, you're going, wow, I was seeing that as a negative behavior, but we can turn and look at it this way and it can be positive. So
1: Anne, you have two children. And did both of them have PCP meetings? Yes. After the PCSP meeting, what happened?
6: Well, I think it changed our family's view for both children. We had goals that we had to reach and go and do, and then COVID hit, so things <laughs> kind of got put on hold a little here and there, but it, it just gave you a new outlook, and it was like, hey, we can do this, or we can do that.
2: So it sounds like really the whole team, whoever's involved, whether it's employment, education, family, they all really get this fresh perspective of seeing the student through different lenses and showcasing their abilities in different areas. Like that's, that's pretty Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Tony and Chris, you guys provide training to teach people how to do Mm person-centered planning. Can you just talk a little bit about
7: the training and what that looks like? It's usually about a two to three day training and all participants will do a person-centered plan on their partner and they will have one done for them. So you will actively participate in being a facilitator and actively actively participate in being the person at the center. And we do that because we feel like it's really important for every participant to learn both perspectives. How do you pull out that positivity? How do you steer a team when it's going down the negative road towards a positive road? How do you take little things like they do the dishes and break it down and find out all the different pieces that means so that you can find things that are transferable in doing the dishes to a work life? And then also being the person that has one done for you is really important because it's a really vulnerable place to be for students to sit there and listen to everyone talk about them. Even though it's positive, it's really important for every participant to have that, every facilitator to have those perspectives.
5: Part of the training is learning how to actually begin to facilitate the meeting. How do you set up a room to make it appealing for everybody to feel like they're involved and can participate. And then we talk about the different maps that help move you transition from one to the next and their history, their experiences. One of my favorite ones is the first one that we do is what positive thoughts do you have about that student? You're learning to facilitate. You're learning how to graphic facilitate. So those are the two things that are happening at once. Somebody is drawing and putting all the words up or maybe even pictures everybody learns differently. And so when you see the words, you hear the words, and then you might even see a picture, it really helps things become more concrete. As you're learning to do the facilitation, you you start learning how to pull things and help people take a look at what the next step is. And really what's great is it's the ideas from the whole room of people. It's not just a guardian or parent choosing the ideas, seeing things from other people's perspectives. And, you know, like Anne mentioned as a parent, you don't always think about those things. And so it's just, a. I just love this process.
2: I have a question for Jenny, Jocelyn and Anne. Let's say you have a friend in your similar position, like whether it's a teacher, service provider or parent, and they get broached with the topic of, of having a person-centered plan done with the youth that they're working with or that they're a parent of, what would you tell them?
8: I would approach it, you know, my job is to also manage, uh, their, do their all their case management. And so for uh, somebody that I'm working with, it helps me learn more about things that I can include on their, their ISP goals. We're really moving towards more person-centered planning for that as well. And so it's not so cut and dry where they're getting their attendant care, their mileage relief care. But what are your personal goals? That kind of helps bridge that gap between the education piece and the case management piece for me so that I can empower them going forward to to want to recognize and identify new goals for themselves. The transition program is a completely different world of school than K through 12 was. Doing a, a PCP really helps see the importance of that transition program and focusing on oh you know okay so I don't need to worry about this as much but I really need to worry about street safety and I really need to get them out there and learn how to use the bus going forward so I think it's just a good way to bridge the gap.
1: I really love the idea of bridging the gap and in a perfect world the ISP and the IEP and the IPE from Book Rehab we all align with each other. And this seems like an excellent way to get everybody, parents, school, teacher, county, VR, all on the same page.
0: It really is. And I feel like if I had a fellow teacher asking me about a person-centered plan, I I say it in a selfish way of, I'm a post-high teacher. I have the 18 to 21 year olds. Transition starts at 16, sometimes as early as 14 years of age. And the sooner you have a person-centered plan done, the sooner you're starting to set target, obviously that's not set in stone, that's a starting point and it can change, but you are collecting relevant, important information for future teachers, for future support personnel to best approach the needs, wants, and goals of that student. So again, to a teacher, I'd say do it early, do it frequently. I can attest to the fact that I've had students do person-centered plans, hopefully before the year they're gonna graduate, And then we can revisit it nearing graduation to say, okay, is this still who you are? What do we need to change to best reflect who you are now?
6: Parent wants to know, I would tell them that it is an amazing, simply amazing experience to go do because your child gets in a rut in your eyes in some ways, but it's also very positive as a parent because you love your kid and you see the good in them and not everybody sees that. And so I would strongly recommend because it gives the child a voice or the adult a voice. And it also gives a very positive, honestly, guys, the, the doing this, the day in, day out can be drudgery sometimes. And so to have that, and we've gone back and looked at them and looked through the, the slides and that kind of thing and said, look at this, remember this? So I would strongly recommend to a parent that they need to get it done and they need to get it done as early as they can because the child's going to grow. And change and you can work with what you've got
5: I think what was great about as a facilitator doing the person-centered plan is you realize that and I probably said this earlier is they could be for anybody any any student who wants to have this process should really be able to ask for it too
7: I think the one thing that I I keep I keep thinking of is I'm listening to everybody talk about this and agreeing and nodding the whole way. Is that it really does it create active steps that you start the minute you walk out of the room? So usually the last the last thing we do before we leave the person-centered plan is we set a few goals in mind that that everybody in the meeting is part of, and those are goals that are going to happen steps that are going to happen in the next couple of days or couple of weeks. We're really clear that like keep the momentum going. Then the other piece that keeps coming to my mind is this is a living document. If you, st- if you do it early, you bring it back out and change it and, and fix it and add to it and, and make a running list of goals that you can be working on over and over again. And it goes should go with the student in a, in a dream world that it goes with them where they go to a VR meeting and they bring it to their VR meeting. They go To a community college meeting, they bring it to their community college disability office. They can bring it with them wherever they go as a document that shows their strengths, gifts, and capacities.
1: That just sums it all up for me. That sounds pretty amazing. So if I had a student and I thought they would benefit from a person-centered plan, how do I get one for my student?
7: You could reach out to any member of the Transition Technical Assistance Network in your region and inquire. Even if they're not a trained facilitator, they work closely with somebody that is.
1: Well, we're back in the studio, Nicole. I mean, I'm in my closet and you're in your closet. What a great conversation with Chris, Tony, Jenny, and Jocelyn.
2: It was really great to, to have them all at our table and be talking about this process that we both know supports so many students across the state and has the potential to support so many more. So at the end of our
1: panel discussion, Chris talked about how the student can take the information from the PCP and share it in various meetings with VR counselors, community colleges, or at ISP meetings. How does the student share this information?
2: In typical times, a PCP is done on these big sheets of, of sticky notes, like these big papers where you are graphically recording all of the information that's said in different colors. And then those sheets are condensed into a PowerPoint or a PDF or something portable for a student to take with them when they go from service provider to service provider. So that they always have this documented information that is all about them and that process that they went through
1: fantastic and like chris said it's a living document it's something that can be reflect on it's something that you look at to make sure that it is still current again it was so great hearing everybody speak so positively about this process
2: at the beginning of the episode we visited Burns where we heard the perspective of a student which was the one voice that we didn't have at the panel so let's go back to that student and talk to their facilitator to find out what that process was like for them.
3: Yes I'm Juan Thornberg and I'm a TNF for Eastern Oregon. Burns is down in Harney County and it's part of my region Thomas was a participant in our student summit a year ago in the fall, and he's just at a time in his life when they were looking at doing the person-centered plan. Donna Lowry, who's the support specialist in a preets coordinator support and I went down and spent a day and their district was able to meet in person so we met at the district office in a large room and there were a couple people that got online and there were probably 10 people there we started the process it was the first time I did a hybrid where there were people online sharing as well we put laptops on chairs and and it was awesome
1: Lauren what was your role during Thomas's PCP
3: So as a facilitator, what I did is I stood in the front and facilitated the questions and the comments, and I made notes up on sheets on the wall. And I would just guide them through the different topics and ask them things about Thomas, ask Thomas to interject, try and get the crowd to really get to thinking about the questions and sharing and make sure that everyone gets an opportunity and it doesn't just get one side.
1: That sounds like an amazing process. How did it go for Thomas?
3: It was pretty amazing. I think one of the things I loved about this one is he had a lot of adults that are part of his life. It was obvious that his school staff, his coach, he's on the football team and he does all the different sports and this coach has been a mentor to him he was there to really lend a voice and he's allowed Thomas to network into some different jobs around the community for work study exploration.
2: So Juan it sounds like Thomas's person-centered plan went really well and I know that you've given lots of person-centered plans over your career and I also know as a facilitator that it's not always that easy when you're dealing with a large group of people. Could you give our listeners some insight into some of the barriers that you've experienced when setting up a person-centered plan?
3: We've done a lot of them around our region, some in very small rural communities, some in our larger communities with larger schools. One of the complications has been when we have a smaller district where there's a lot of Uh, support agencies that are from the county and maybe they're a long ways away and parents want things for their their child that are harder to get because they live more remotely. And once we start in on one of these prison center plans, we have to be careful because there's a lot of different Emotions going on. There, are people are feel like we haven't gotten the services we want, or people from agencies saying, "I think they should be doing it this way instead of that way." And when I come in, I have this group of people that. I have to be able to facilitate a conversation so it doesn't blow up but becomes a thing where it's about the student not about them not adversarial but more of a supportive positive conversation and what's wonderful about it is that I have never had one of these where everybody jumped up and got angry and people started marching out and said we're done (laughs) because it is not about them anymore it's not about their problems and their issues it's about what that student that's sitting there wants and really cool things come out of the process that resolve some of these conflicts and people are like oh you meant you meant this, or you, oh, you really want this, and they start to rally around that student, and I've seen the outcomes just be incredible for these students down the road because of it.
1: That's amazing, and I love the fact that you're talking about having a meeting where people come in you can feel tension in the room and when you're done with the meeting the tension is gone and everyone has clear steps on how to work together.
3: Yeah and I think one other thing if we were to talk about a challenge is when we get into independent living sometimes a student says I want to move out and I want to live you know away from home and that has never even come up as a conversation in the home. I'm a parent of of a son who went off to college this year and I know what it's like to do that separation. And anxiety. You know, you miss them. And so I've had to make sure that I don't start drilling deep into, well, what does the kid want? How does the parent feel in a, in a group meeting like that? You know, we say this is not a time to introduce new ideas. And if there is a discomfort about the conversation, we can put that up on the shelf and leave that for later but we can make a note that that that's that's a want in that student's life and then move on and thomas man thomas left with some pretty good advice didn't
1: he oh absolutely it was amazing you asked thomas a really great question
3: just in closing if you were to say one thing to a kid younger than you yeah that was thinking about what they need to do to mm-hmm. learn about what they want to do for work what would be your piece of advice
4: um just go to school get that out of the way you know stay out of drugs and alcohol you know you don't need that and just listen to your parents, you know, because that's they're always gonna have your back. And you know, if I didn't have my mom, you know, I don't know where I'd be. So I'm very thankful for that. You know, and, um, just always be nice and, yeah. So um, just like after you're done with school, just try to find a good job or something, you know, that you like. And so yeah, awesome. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah.
2: You know, I think if those are really great words of advice for for everybody, for every student. You know, find something that you love, stay away from the negative things in your life, and, and surround yourself with, with people that care about you, that can support you on your journey. He seems like a really smart young man. I'm looking
1: forward to catching up with him in future episodes to see what his future becomes, because I, I have a feeling that it looks pretty great. I would like to thank everyone for being on the podcast today and talking about person-centered plans.
2: We'd like to thank Chris, Rita, Tony DePeel, and Lon Thornberg for, for being our people on the ground and setting up these amazing opportunities for interviews. i also like to
1: thank Jocelyn,
2: Jenny, Anne, and Thomas for sharing their experiences with
1: person-centered plans.
2: If you are interested in person-centered plans, and I'm going to say it again, reach out to your TTAN member. If they are not trained facilitators, they definitely know someone who is. Let's get every student a person centered plan. I firmly believe
1: that a person centered plan would be great for every student. Before we leave you, we're just going to go back to our panel because I did ask them for a favor. C- can we just make one more request and, and you can say no. But we have our ending catchphrase and usually Nicole and I fight over who gets to say it, but this time, I want to gift to all of you.
7: Say it all together.
1: Yes. Ready?
7: One, two,
2: three. Peace
0: yes,
7: out, people.
2: people. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Thank you. That Thank was you. Good. This was,
3: was fun.
1: The Oregon Transition Podcast is brought to you by the T-TAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network with support from Vocational Rehabilitation and Oregon Department of Education.
2: All views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong to the individuals, not necessarily their supporting agencies.
1: The Oregon Transition Podcast is produced by
2: Nicole Perdue, Josh Barber, Tony DePio, and the podfather himself,
1: Ron Thornberg.
2: With additional interviews provided by members of the TTAN.
1: Our theme music is composed by former transition student Boone Richter out of Brownsville, Oregon.
2: Additional music provided by Lon Thornburg.
1: For questions, comments, or episode ideas, please email us at Oregon Transition Podcast at gmail.com.
2: And for all the latest OTP news, connect with us on Facebook.
5: I was thinking, I remembered the one because, you know, everybody gets to help decide what goals the student is going to do. And I had one, one young woman whose grandfather offered he wanted to be a part of you know, one of the steps that happened at the end. And he says, I want to say that I'm going to teach her how to make pancakes. It was so cute. I just love that. That was awesome.